Welcome to the Billings Police Department Unfiltered Podcast, Episode 10. Uh, today we are uh, talking Public Safety Mill Levy, Part 3. I'm Lieutenant Brandon Woolley, and today we're going to be talking dollars and cents with City Administrator Chris Kukulski. Chris, welcome. Well, it's great to be here. Good. So, Chris, last week you and I had a conversation, and, and we were talking about getting some education out to the public. We've been pushing uh, info out so people can be educated voters for the public safety mill levy. One of the things we were talking about is a lot of the questions we're seeing about the money uh, and how the finances of the city work, which is is why you're here today. You're you're our our subject matter expert, and that's what we're going to dive into. Um, So can you just start, because we I've heard some things um, over social media, people asking questions. And there seems to be kind of a little bit of a misunderstanding about how the city's general fund works and how the funding of public safety works overall. Can you can you shed some light on that? Yeah, so uh, thanks, Brandon. So you've got a couple of things. First, it is funded with property taxes. So the overwhelming majority of, of the cash that comes into funding public safety, uh, which makes up the lion's share of the general fund, is uh, property taxes. So a unique, a unique component to billings is that we've had a hard cap on our millage since the, since the uh, charter, the city's charter, the city's constitution was adopted by the voters back in 1977. And only the voters can authorize an increase to that mill levy. So each time they've done that for public safety purposes, public safety needs, those funds come in in addition to the general uh, property tax dollars. So you got two kind of funding mechanisms really that fund the police department and the fire department. Um, That is your general property tax bill. And then if you look closer on that bill now, you'll see a public safety one that was passed many, several years ago. You'll see last year's public safety two, it was a repeal and replace of a levy that was passed back in 2004 by the voters. And then those will add up to, along with the library bond and some other things the voters have approved, all of that ends up making up the property tax portion of your of a citizen's tax bill. Oh. So the mill levies in and of themselves, do they fund wholly public safety? Um, they they do not. So the the voter approvals have been in addition to what the general fund contributes. So one common thing I'll hear out there from time to time is well, I was told that when we pra- passed the 2004 levy, the $8.2 million didn't actually all go for police and fire. And I would say that's unequivocally false. By law, the city's charter has been amended by its voters, and those dollars have to be spent, can only be spent, on the purposes that the voters said yes to. So... Um, like I said, I think we've got now two, just because last year was a repeal and replace. Two, those two levies uh, cover a, a significant chunk, well north of $10 million. But you're st- we're still about $20 million short of fully funding 
public safety, and so the general fund makes a contribution over to public safety to fill the rest of the gap. Um, And to further kind of confuse things, if you're comparing us to any other city out there, I'll just stick with Montana, you're not going to see a public safety fund. You're going to see that the police department and the fire department are almost exclusively funded through those cities' general fund budgets. It's commonly 50-55% of a city's overall general fund budget is police and fire. So you mentioned last public safety mill levy was repeal and replace. Can you talk about last year's mill levy and what it did and where that left us and yes. what brings us today? So there really were three things um, that were going on with last year's levy. The first one in the repeal and replace was that back in 2004, the voters had granted graciously uh, $8.2 million to fund police and fire services. And it was phased in over five years. So between 2004 or five and 2009, this roll-in came in that the voters said yes to. At the time, state law um, was interpreted to be that you could only ask for a specific dollar amount from the voters, and that's what we did. So from there forward, from 2009, uh, when it was fully implemented, till last year in 2020, the city was collecting the $8.2 million. Each year, unfortunately, it was losing a little bit of its purchasing power because of inflation. So not significant year in and year out, but over a decade, you know, that $8.2 million didn't go quite so far. So um, when the voters said yes in 2004, it, was, it, 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 it stated that the voters were approving up to 60 mills, that's uh, the taxing term, up to 60 mills could be levied to fund uh, police and fire services uh, to generate the $8.2 million. Last year's repeal and replace again asked them to authorize 60 mills, getting rid of the capped $8.2 million because a mill grows in value each year if our tax base grows. So last year, we we swapped out that fixed dollar amount for a fixed mill levy, which can grow with the tax base and help fight off inflationary, inflation eating away at, at the purchasing power of that approved amount. The other two critical things are Uh, was that we were just entering the pandemic. I mean, literally, as we were trying to, as we had actually concluded and we were out in public sharing our full strategies for uh, reducing crime and reducing response times by the fire department, the pandemic hit. And when we were in lockdown, no one knew, including our elected officials and administration, where was this going to go? Would the voters, you know, uh, support something that was going to add hundreds of dollars a year to their tax bill? And the decision was made to do the real repeal and replace because it also filled a gap that had developed over the years. 
we developed about a $4.7 million gap between annual revenue and annual expenditures. Um, how did we get there? I mean, one, it was inflation cost growth over time, but the two bigger issues were that um, the council directed the prior administrator after the failed public safety levy of 2016 and the continued increase in crime to add over over a three-year period, I think we added 22 staff members to the 911 dispatch, police department, and fire department. Knowing full well we were using our cash reserve or bank account to pay that bill. And that's okay for the short term, but eventually that bank account drains down and we needed to go to the voters for the approval to continue that long term. The other thing we did simultaneous with that in 2018 is we stopped collecting a franchise fee. So we cut our revenue by $2.1 million. So there was a roughly a $1.50 a month fee in everybody's utility bill to help pay for police and fire services. Um, under threat of lawsuit, the city said, okay, let's just get rid of that fee. So we cut our revenue $2.1 million. Ironically, I was in court this morning to testify <laughs> on that lawsuit. Um, we cut our revenue by $2 million, $2.1. We added a little north of $2 million to our annual cost, plus inflation, and we are about $4.7 million out of whack. Last year's 60 mil levy brought in additional about 4.1 to 4.2 million dollars so it almost completely filled that hole that had been created over that previous decade and that's all it did because of the pandemic the council the decision was we're not going to ask for a big advancement in police fire and dispatch and prosecution and court we're just kind of prevent ourselves from having to downsize those departments over the next few years so, so status quo is yes. what la, the last mill levy got us to just make sure we stay where we're at yep. and not go back. Absolutely. And and even though there's still a little bit of a shortage, yep. even from there, that would have to come from the general fund. Correct. So talk to me a little bit about the original ask on uh, last year's mill, mill levy before we readjusted it because of the pandemic. Uh, how much was that asked for and what were we getting with that money versus what we're what we're doing now? So we were we uh, I'm looking at the slide here from a, a January uh, public meeting that was held January of 2020. I think it was January 16th. We presented to the public to a packed house a $296.24 tax increase to the median homeowner that was going to fund um, roughly 40 more sworn officers in the police department, an additional fire station. It was going to fund debt, 20 to tw 25 to $30 million in debt to take care of our law and justice facility needs. Um, it was going to include more prosecutors, code enforcement, and a second full-time court. So that was Pre-pandemic, we were all in that our strategies had been fully vetted for the better part of a year, and we were ready and starting to roll that out to the public. Um, that th I'm just going to round it to $300. So that $300 ask has been changed a fair amount between then and now. 
First of all, was what we just talked about. The voters approved the repeal and replace levy that added up to $60 of that 300. So 60 of it has already, the taxpayers already said, yes, go ahead and raise my taxes to cover that 60. This year, we're asking for an additional 100. So now we're up to 160 of the 300. So what I'd like to be clear about, so where did the other 140 go? And essentially, it got trimmed off in two ways. The most significant piece is we are no longer asking the voters to authorize debt for 25 to $30 million for facilities. Why? The pandemic, the federal government printed enough money and shared it with us that now we're paying cash for, that's why we bought the Stillwater building here recently, so that we could, and, and we paid cash for that building and we'll pay cash for its renovations and not need to take on a debt that the voters would need to pay. So that was the biggest chunk. The other significant piece is we did a couple of peer review studies from the Center for Public Safety Management, and both of those made hundred and there were 102 recommendations to the police department and 34 recommendations to the fire department. Most all of those uh, were, were efficiencies and improvements that they felt we could make in our systems to make them more effective. And that downsized our ask. So those components are now why today we're asking for the $100 um, which includes a smaller ask on the police side. It was 28 uh, individuals added to the police department, half of which are civilian, half of which are sworn. That decision and that recommendation saved quite a bit of money because the civilian positions aren't as expensive as the sworn positions are. In the fire department, it shaved a considerable amount by taking away Station 8 and then replacing it with two mobile response teams or medical response teams that won't be housed out of stations. They'll roam the community and only work peak hour call demands because the fire department, over 50% of their calls are in this medical arena. That ask got more than cut in half for what the need was for the fire department and then on down the line. So that's why today you see uh, we didn't change ultimately. Our strategies didn't change much at all relative to the goal. Reduce the time it takes for our all hazards fire department to get to your emergency and uh, in increase the capacity of and ultimately say to lower crime in our community through the criminal justice system, um, which is a whole lot more than our police officers are critical to that, but they're not the only critical component to the criminal justice system. And so when we're talking the, the $160 for the median home, that's per year? It is. It is. And so let's, let's just cover, if you had to go back to stats class, anybody forced to do that or like to do that, <laughs> uh, you had the mean, median, and mode. So the median is literally take all 35,000, 40,000 homes in Billings, Montana, and line them all up with each other. This one's dead center in the middle. So half of the houses in Billings are gonna pay more than $100 a year. Those who have a higher value. Half of the houses in Billings are gonna pay less than $100 a year because they have a lower tax value than this median. So I've found over my career 
that's a little bit easier for people to kind of grasp where do I fit in than when you say average and averages can be skewed by the multi-million dollar houses in town or the low income housing that's in town. So um, that's that's the tax implication for that median homeowner. And if somebody wants to calculate that, there's a website, the city of Billings, there's a calculator on there that they can put in their property value. Is that right? Yes. In fact, great reminder, any of this information, these studies, the full presentations, the podcast, one, two, and now I guess this third one, all this information could be gotten at billingsmt.gov. If you want to go forward slash PSML, you'll go straight to the page. Otherwise, on our home page, there's three different locations you can click on the public safety mill levy, and there is a formula that our finance director, Andy Zeller, created. You pull out your tax bill, put your formula number in there, the market value number, and it'll tell you to the penny what a yes vote will cost you uh, if the if the voters approve this. So one of the other questions that I hear too, Chris, is uh, how long does this levy stay in effect? Is this just a one-time thing or is this in perpetuity? It, it, in an essence, it's in perpetuity. I mean, um, Lord willing, the city is going to be around for the next 100 years. Uh, and, and so, yeah, this is not something that needs to be renewed every few years. Because, though, of our charter and these caps, um, these are discussions that I think our voters need to get accustomed to probably every five to seven years. I mean, the, the, the only way that's not going to happen is if uh, growth were to take off at such a pace and not bring with it added demands for services. In fact, that's part of the conversation we haven't had yet. I'll commonly be asked, there's, excuse me, all these new homes under construction. There's all these new businesses. Why isn't that enough? to cover the increased cost. And I would say, generally speaking, it's a huge help. It covers uh, a, a, a good chunk of the inflationary increases we see year in and year out to cost. What it rarely covers, though, unless you really just have some huge project um, you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, is what we're experiencing is a what would it be, a 200% increase in violent crime over the past decade. So we're now, we're not only dealing with a, a police department and criminal justice system that needs to be able to, to protect the extra 30,000, 40,000 people who've moved to town. The types of crimes that are being committed are, are growing at a very rapid rate, much faster than inflation, and they take m more resources to deal with than back when we were that quiet town that we all, to some degree, want to get back to from a safety standpoint. Not that we want the town to shrink. I just think we, we, we appreciated it when Billings had a crime rate that was well below or at the national average. That's one of my goals as a city administrator is if we could get ourselves back to that national average crime then becomes a non it doesn't become a part of the discussion point for a family deciding to stay in billings or relocate to billings or come back home to billings because crime is about what it is in our you know where unfortunately we're not going to eradicate our community or our country of criminals 
But when our crime rate is above that average, when we're seeing what we've been experiencing over the last particularly seven, eight to 10 years, I worry that that could have a, a, a negative effect on people's desire to call this home, call Billings home. I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of the things from that I would like to be able to share with people and see from my seat is we've got to have those conversations, not only budget-wise, but police strategy tactics, fire tactics, of how you deal with the problem as it evolves, and we have to reevaluate it. Because if, you know, 2004 was the one of the last levies that we had for growth for the departments, you know, that's 16 years years ago. We can't just do the same thing for 16 years as everything changes around us. Uh, and it goes to show internally, too, you know, the uh, the internal peer reviews that you talk about that provide and come in the efficiency recommendations. I think it's healthy for all these organizations to continually be looking at where they're at and what they need to be doing. Um, so great explanations on the, on the budgets, the finance portion of it. Uh, if voters want to... Uh, educate themselves a little bit more, learn things. Part one is uh, Chief St. John and Chief Pepper Valdez talking about specific public uh, safety regarding to police and fire. And then uh, part two is with the city uh, attorney as well as uh, the city planning director, uh, Wyeth Friday, who oversees some of the code enforcement so they can get some more information about how those dollars and cents are being spent. Uh, before we close out here, Chris, what else should the voters know about what's coming up? So let me plug one other piece, and then we'll get to a couple other things that are on the ballot. So the first one is um, the city is not approached. This is no silver bullet to, to this problem, right? So earlier today, I was talking with, uh, with our uh, uh, finance staff about the work they're doing in authorizing business licenses and how uh, the, the new business license program is working to shut down illicit massage businesses. That is fighting crime in our community from the finance department and code enforcement. Um, they're just, we're, we are truly trying to find the most efficient ways to tackle these challenges, recognizing there's no silver bullet to it. So I just would ask that as people review those podcasts, you'll see there's multiple approaches here to, to tackling a really complex uh, set of issues. The other question you had in there was what, I, or I'll kind of run with this, which is what else is on the ballot? There are some other questions on the ballot. Um, and, and, and though we won't spend today really educating on them, they're, they're important. First of all, there's individuals running for all the wards to be your elected officials. So please do your homework there determine who you're going to vote for. Um, secondly, there are two questions related to marijuana on the ballot. The first one uh, is a finance question, and actually uh, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of steering here. The finance question is uh, by the county. Only counties in Montana can ask this question. Do the voters want to tax um, both a recreational, actually there's three questions, there, do they want to tax recreational marijuana, 3%, uh, at the retail sale level? Do they want to tax um, medical marijuana, 3%, at the retail level? Both those questions are on the ballot. Um, and if the voters say no, then it won't be there. It won't be taxed. If the voters say yes, that money will go to Yellowstone County. The state of Montana has already determined by formula 
that 45% of what the county collects will get shared between the cities and towns within the county based on kind of a population formula. So we're estimating billings would get between $250,000 and $350,000 annually once uh, marijuana kind of matures in its market and sales by about the fourth, fifth year in billings. Um, some have speculated, oh, now that that tax is there, we don't need to prove these public safety levies. Well, I, I guess we, I don't think I said this the, the, in the prior, prior podcast, you know, the total ask here is $7.1 million a year annually. $350,000 is not going to replace the need for um, uh, these kind of levies. It's going to help offset our cost. Unfortunately, we anticipate our cost related to marijuana is likely going to be higher than $350,000. Whether you support it legally or not, that's not the judgment I'm making. I'm just based on the Haida report and just the increase anticipated um, driving under the influence, issues that we're uh, statistically expected to deal with, there's going to be a higher cost to us than that revenue. But both of those questions are on the ballot. And then there's a third marijuana question on the ballot that's only in the city limits, and that is if the voters want to approve or prevent um, dispensaries or retail sale of recreational marijuana not medical but recreational so uh, so sorry there's what candidate do you want to vote for running for council there's uh, the public safety mill levy question there's the three percent tax on medical marijuana there's a three percent tax on recreational or adult use marijuana and then fifth, there's a question about whether you whether the voters want to allow retail sales of recreational inside the city limits. Thanks for bringing that up because that has also been one of the things that we've seen in some of our feedback is is why not just pay for this initial funding out of the the marijuana taxes? Uh, so there's a great example there is that there's, that's not the amount of money that's expected to be there. And then while we're while we don't know exactly what's going to happen locally when uh, you know the the sale comes into full effect for recreational marijuana, but looking at other places, uh, the increase of calls for service and uh, demands on the public safety services they do increase. Um, but we just don't know what that's going to look like yet. So the ask is for today. And what that is, what where we're at now, and and everything else is what the future holds for us as well. Yeah, you know, I think on that broader financial question, I see us moving more and more as taxpayers and as citizens, as 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 wanting a clear, straight line between what am I paying for and what am I getting. And so I I think marijuana, in an odd way, is going to provide us with an opportunity in in our generation to. To track what is what's the impact of this decision and who's going to pay for the impact and I think generally people are pretty supportive of the notion of those who use should be the ones who are paying for if that really takes hold I think that's a conversation we could have about a whole lot of city services and maybe try to find a way to actually lower or stagnate general property taxes needing to go up because those users of services 
would pay for them uh, or a higher and higher percentage of them rather than the general taxpayer kind of picking up the bill on everything. And, and uh, that, that may be wishful thinking. I mean, that's a long ways from where we are. But, but I think you know, if we could do this all over again and we could rewind the clock back to prohibition right. and, and, and gaming and, and Montana and in our cities and towns, I, I think the general public would say, okay, you know what, we're adults, we live in a free country, we get to do these things. But how about you who choose to do them? You need to be the ones paying for the impacts of them, not all of us. And I, and I think, like, this is a great conversation to be having because, uh, you know, alcohol is a legal drug. It's readily available. Um, a large portion of the community consumes alcohol responsibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have a, a, another portion that don't, and the impacts are huge. And, and that's one of the questions that we always have to ask ourselves, especially looking from the public safety standpoint, to make sure that we have the resources with the ability to respond is, what are the consequences of of that, uh, just like what you're saying, and those those freedoms that we have, and um, you know, the time time will tell with the marijuana for us. Absolutely. Well, Brandon, I can't thank you enough for all the time you give me today. All right, thanks, Chris, and I and I hope this podcast for the listeners was educational and regarding the finances of the city and in relation to the public safety mill levy. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening.